Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This morning, we come to Palm Sunday. So today, we'll travel down the Hosanna Road with Jesus. And then next Sunday, we'll talk about Jesus, who was more than a carpenter. And then the following week, we'll pick back up in 2 Corinthians. And, uh, but today, we come to Luke chapter 19. A day... It is commonly known as Palm Sunday. Get your pen, get your pad, get your heart. Commonly known as Palm Sunday, Passion Week, Holy Week, all the same. This is the week that Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the week in the life of Jesus, the last week in the life of Jesus, the last event in the ministry of Jesus, the last public act before being crucified. This week leads up to the trial and sentencing and the beating and the death of Jesus. And ultimately, you know, next Sunday, resurrection from the grave. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary Chapel, you've heard this before. Well, let me give it to you again, just so we're clear. Here is the order of events of this week, beginning today. Jesus rises into Jerusalem on a donkey as king. Sunday. Monday, Jesus drove out the ripoff artists and the money changers on the Temple Mount, remember? And he said, don't make my father's house. Anybody know? A den of thieves, you know that. Tuesday, Jesus is on the Temple Mount being questioned by his enemies. Wednesday, he's resting at the home of Simon, the used-to-be leper in Bethany. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Thursday, Jesus celebrates the Last Supper and is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Friday, Friday is a really busy day. Friday, Jesus appears before Herod Antipas, is tried before Pontius Pilate, is formally sentenced to death by crucifixion and is nailed to the cross. And while on the cross, you know Jesus makes seven statements while hanging on the cross. Again, we'll talk about that on Friday evening. He took his last breath and he died and was buried. Saturday was a day of rest as Jesus lays in the tomb and then Sunday some once someone once called Sunday uh, the great getting up morning, the great I like that the great getting up morning where Jesus rose from the grave. That is Passion Week. Now listen to me, Passion Week or Passion Sunday or Palm Sunday. Pardon me, is a day of great insight and a day of great misunderstanding. It's a day of great insight because Jesus really is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He really is the Messiah, the son of David. 
He really is a long-awaited ruler of Israel. He really is the fulfillment of all the promises of God to his people. It's a day of great misunderstanding because Jesus came to be the king over our hearts, not to be the king to sit on the throne. The great misunderstanding because many thought that Jesus came to deliver Israel from the bondage and the oppression of Rome. The great insight brought joy. The great misunderstanding brought destruction. So Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. Keep in mind, Jesus knew this road very well. Jesus knew this road, um, traveled this road many times. Uh, Many people actually knew this road uh, very well. Jesus' mom and dad would bring Jesus to Jerusalem on this road to the feast every year. People from around the world traveled this road every year coming to the various feasts. Uh, This is the Hosanna Road. Uh, If you've been with us to Israel, you know uh, we always walk down the Hosanna Road. Just by chance, is there anyone in this room that's been to Israel with us on a trip to Israel? Okay, that's, uh, let's see, keep your hand up, keep your hand. Okay, that's like uh, five of us. Okay, And, and you know then, remember the Hosanna Road? And we walk down the Hosanna Road and, um... And when you walk down the Hosanna Road, you're singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Everybody's singing. And then there's other groups who have come, obviously, to Israel. And if they're walking down the road, they also join in. Everybody sings the song Hosanna. And it's really quite an experience. And it's a wonderful experience. So you know that the Hosanna Road kind of goes down and then it winds around and and as, you're, as you get uh, uh, down the hill just a bit, all of a sudden, as you turn this little, little corner, all of a sudden you would see the city of Jerusalem in the distance, in the sun. It's quite beautiful. The Hosanna Road is known and loved by all. Throughout the years, this road had not changed and would not change. The things along the road and the end result of the road would change. Now, for Jesus, this trip down this road this time will be different than any other trip anyone has ever made to Jerusalem. This trip, this road, this time is the goal of Jesus' whole life. The goal of his life culminates as he reaches this road. This is where it all ends for Jesus. This is the end of his time on earth. This is the end of 33 years and the end of three plus years of ministry. And once he gets there, he will never, ever, listen to me, saints, he'll never, ever leave the vicinity of Jerusalem. He dies in this city. Well, maybe I should say outside the city, but he dies outside the city. Today, he reaches that goal. The crucifixion is only six days away. I've titled this sermon, Jesus and Palm Sunday. Luke, Saints, chapter 19, we're picking up in verse 28. If you're looking at verse 28, I need you to say amen. Amen. Now, when he had said these things in verse 28, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, That he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you enter 
where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat, loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, where are you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, just like Jesus told them to say, the Lord has need of him. And then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they sat Jesus on him. And in verse 36, as he went, as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty things that they had seen him do, saying in verse 38, saints, come on, read it with me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And in verse 40, but he answered and said to them, I tell you in verse 40, are y'all looking at it? I tell you that if these should keep quiet, keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention again. We're in the final week in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And it's Passover season. And millions of people, including Jesus, are headed in the same direction on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus has just left Jericho, which is down at the Dead Sea. Jericho is 17 miles below sea level. So it's almost a straight shot to Jerusalem. And during the journey, Jesus makes several stops before reaching Jerusalem. He goes through Jericho, stayed there for two days, and he heals two blind men, and they become his disciples, and they follow him. So as Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, he's gathering a group of people, and he runs into a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector who was rich. Although he was rich, he was also hated and despised. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he had two challenges. Number one, the crowd was big. And number two, he was short. Luke chapter 19 tells us, if you just kind of peek there, if you will, look at verse 3. Luke 19 tells us that he was short. You know, this is one of the many things that I love. One of the many things that I love about the Bible. The Bible isn't politically correct. The Bible's not politically The Bible doesn't say that Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. The Bible says he was short. And that's why he couldn't see Jesus. Now don't laugh too hard because the Bible says we are all short. Romans 3, we have all sinned and come anybody know? Short of the glory of God. We all come short. Not just of being a pretty good guy, but of the glory of God. Well, you know the story. Zacchaeus couldn't see above the crowd, and so he did something very undignified for a rich man. He climbed into a tree. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus and didn't let anything get in his way. Not the crowd, not his reputation, not his money, not even his height. 
So he's sitting on a branch looking down, and Jesus stopped and looked up and saw him. You know the story, don't you? Stopped and looked up and saw him and said, hey, Zach, come down. I'm coming over to your house for dinner. Now, I want you to notice something. Did you notice Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name? There's something you, you can miss. You can miss. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. There's no introduction. Why? How? Because Jesus is omniscient. He knows everything. Omniscience means he knows everything. He calls his sheep by name, and Zacchaeus is about to become one of his sheep. Jesus told him to come down quickly and invited himself for dinner. And Luke 19.10 tells us that Zac, he told Zacchaeus, today salvation is come to your home. And so Jesus continues on the road to Jerusalem. And listen, saints, this isn't just any road for Jesus. This is a road of humility, a road of obedience, a road of fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This is the road leading to his death. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 7 tells us Jesus knowing what was ahead of him. Isaiah 57 says, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. In other words, Jesus had a steadfast determination to go to Jerusalem. His face was set as hard as flint or as hard as a rock to move toward the city of Jerusalem. Jesus could have said, listen, I think I'll turn back. I think I'll turn away. I don't want to endure the shame. I don't want to endure the pain. I don't want to endure the brutality and the agony. But his face was set like a flint. And why did Jesus go through this? Why was his face set like a flint? Well, Hebrews, write it down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 tells us exactly why. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Notice for the joy. What joy? The joy of knowing. Are you listening, saints? The joy of knowing that after the cross, you and I will be saved. The joy of knowing that next Sunday, many, many, many people are going to come and walk down that aisle and they are going, April 17th, 2017, many people are going to walk down that aisle and give their life to Jesus Christ and the angels in heaven are going to rejoice. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. And the angels are going to rejoice, and, and, and many are going to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That boy brought joy to Jesus. And it brings joy to Jesus every time somebody gets saved. When I got saved, when you got saved, it was for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't enjoy the cross. He enjoyed what the result would be of him going to the cross. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? The result of what would be of him going to the cross for the joy that was set before him. The joy of saying to the thief on the cross, the day you will be with me in paradise. It was the joy of what followed the suffering, not the joy in the suffering. And it's an amazing thing for me to think about. Even 30 Three years later, I've been a Christian for 33 years, and it is amazing. It's amazing that 
I think about the goodness of God in 33 years. Can I testify? Listen, God has never failed me. God has never failed you. God cannot fail. That's one thing God cannot do. He cannot fail. And he has never failed me. God has been good to us. God has been good to me. And for that very reason alone, that should make Christians the most happiest. Is that a word? The most happiest people on the planet because we serve a God who is good to us, who is faithful to us. We serve a God. I'll wait while you clap your hands. We serve a God in, in all of our flesh, in all of our disobedience. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But in all of our disobedience, in all of our flesh, in all of our sin, God still loves us. And you should be glad about that. God still loves us. I mean, think about it. He loves you so much. He lets you live another day. Do you know this day belongs to him and not you? He loves you. He gave you breath in your body. He put the breath in your body this morning. We don't think about stuff like that, do we? We wake up in the morning. We go, oh, man, another morning. Oh, gosh, I got to go to church. How about this? Wake up, Lord, thank you. You kept breath in my body overnight. You know why? Somebody didn't wake up this morning. Somebody knew somebody somewhere didn't wake up. I don't know. I didn't get a call, but nobody, somebody somewhere didn't wake up this morning. But God was good to us. God has been good to us. God is always good to us. Through all of our sin, through all of our disobedience, through all of our failures, through all of our mess-ups, through all of our, our, our sin, God is still good to us. And somebody once wrote this, and I love it. They said, isn't it odd that a being like God, who sees the facets, still loves the clod he made out of sod? Now, isn't that odd? It is odd that God, who made the clod out of sod, still loves the clod. Isn't that odd? It is odd. Because we serve a God who loves us. Well, look at verse 29. When Jesus drew near to Bethphage and Bethany. Bethany, got your pen? Is two miles east of Jerusalem on the other side of the Kidron Valley. Bethany is somewhere on the Mount of Olives. Not exactly. Bethphage, pardon me, is somewhere on the Mount of Olives. We're not exactly sure where. Matthew 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19 talk about this little town uh, of Bethany. It was a really important town in the life of Jesus. We know an ex-leper named Simon lived in this city. We know that he was an ex-leper because if he was currently a leper, he wouldn't be living in the city. Uh, He would have been living in a leper colony. Church tradition tells us that this Simon is the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Church tradition tells us that. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were also from the city of Bethany. John chapter 11 
Lazarus died. You know the story, don't you? And his two sisters, Mary and Martha, said to Jesus, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But they didn't know. Nobody dies in the presence of Jesus. Search the scriptures. Nobody dies in the presence of Jesus. Or put it this way. People may die, but they don't stay dead. Amen. In the presence of Jesus. So they said, Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would still be alive. And Jesus stood in front of Lazarus' tomb. And Martha said, Jesus, it's been four days he's been in there. By now, he stinketh, which is probably one of my favorite Bible verses. By, by now, he stinketh, John ten thirty nine. the King James says. By now, he stinketh. And Jesus prayed and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. And that happened in Bethany. In Bethany, all four Gospels tell us of the dinner party for Jesus that was held at Simon, the used-to-be leper's home. It was a pretty big party, dinner party. At least 17 people were there. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Jesus, Simon, the 12 disciples, probably his wife and kids. We don't know, but we do know it was at least 17 people there. And I love to make this point. That there were a lot of used-to-be's at this party. Lazarus, who used to be dead. Uh, Simon, who used to be a leper. Twelve disciples, who used to be a bunch of different stuff. Tax collectors and fishermen. And I love that about Calvary Chapel, Cary. This room is full of a bunch of used-to-be's. Used-to-be drug addicts. Am I right about it? Used to be drug addicts, used to be gangbangers, used to be dancers. And I ain't talking about dancing with the stars. Used to be dancers, used to be all kinds of stuff. People who attend this church, the most important thing is used to be. That's the most important thing. Now we're in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are new. It was in Bethany. We're talking about Bethany, the town of Bethany. It was in Bethany. In Simon's house, a woman breaks an alabaster cruise of ointment or perfume. It was very expensive perfume. It was worth a whole year's salary. And she breaks open a jar uh, because they didn't come, you know, they didn't come in those days with the screw top. Or, um, you know, with the misty spray or whatever. They, they didn't come like that. They came like in a jar that, that if you wanted to get it out, you needed to break it. Well, this woman, she took this jar uh, of, of expensive perfume and she breaks the jar. And all of a sudden, the fragrance of the perfume fills the room and, and, and the sweet fragrance changes the atmosphere of the room there is a sermon in there the sweet fragrance of the perfume changes the atmosphere of the room you know the story she pours it over jesus head and she's happy to do it and she pours the whole thing she pours it over his head and it runs down his face it runs down his beard it runs down his clothes and of course it smells up the whole house and 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 she didn't put a little dab behind his ears you know Expensive perfume, you don't pour it out. Amen. You, you know, you, y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. You take a little dab, you take a little dab, spray a little dab, spray a little dab. Some of y'all put a little dab right here, a little dab right there, just in case somebody will be smelling your wrist, which is weird. But okay, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going no further, don't you? Okay. 
Weird, weird, weird. But you put it right here. And she didn't put a little dab, like a little dab of do you? No, she didn't do that. She poured the entire thing over Jesus. And can you imagine the fragrance? And Judas, remember the story. Judas said that was a waste. You could have got a lot of money for that perfume. And Jesus looked at Judas and said, Judas, you're a waste. Because... Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. The word perdition means waste. Jesus said, you're a waste. And the reason Judas felt it was a waste is because people who don't love God or understand the things of God will always think serving God and worshiping God and giving God is giving to God is a waste. Just by round of applause. How many in this room know that worship is never a waste? Worship is never a waste. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's one 800 293-0923 or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.